Welcome back, everybody, to the Express Podcast. We have two illustrious guests today. Uh, two of my personal hitting guys, Mike Brumley and his son, Logan Brumley. Um, been working with them for a couple years. And just people that I not only love, but really trust when it comes to just my career and development as a baseball player. Uh, and there's a lot of good wisdom and stories that they've you know imparted to me and um, to a lot of other folks that they've helped. So just really excited to share uh, just things uh, about development, about growing up, about becoming a better baseball player and man that we're excited to get to today. So I um, guess just go ahead and start. Brum, if you want to introduce yourself a little bit and just kind of like your background and past, because I know you've, you know, just with your dad and just your kind of trajectory going to Texas and big league life and then to where you've gotten to now, just give us a little bit of that story if you don't mind. Yeah, I mean uh – it's one of those, you know, my father was a major league player. Um, you know, he retired in 71, which I was nine years old. So I have a little bit of, you know, thoughts towards that past, that past part of it. And, and just, you know, growing up in the game and being around that way. I mean, I enjoyed playing all, all sports growing up and I played every sport there was until, until that sport kicked me out, you know, right. So basketball, eighth grade, finally booted me out. <laughs> I did play four years of high school football in, in Oklahoma and, you know, loved that and all that stuff. And then, uh, you know, the transition, my dad w went to Oklahoma and my mother went to Oklahoma State. Uh, being an Oklahoma kid, growing up in Tulsa and uh, didn't have any scholarship offers there. So I had, I ended up having two, two offers. One was Wichita State and one was Texas. And uh, so my thought where was, you know, I didn't, college baseball was just starting to be impacted. You know, I think ESPN's first big carry of the World Series was 79. And which I was a high school graduate in 80. And, and so, you know, this is the first time you got to see it on a different stage. And, uh, but I did my, you know, coming down to it was I live in Oklahoma. If it's 35 degrees in February in Oklahoma, it's, it's 19 in Wichita and it's 65 in Austin. <laughs> so I sort of took that part of it, uh, you know, the weather and just the opportunity at that time. And so that was that. I went on to play 14 years professionally. Um, and really my coaching motivation, I just didn't like coaches, you know, in general. <laughs> and I, that's really what motivated me to be a coach. I thought there's gotta be a better way to have inside information and understanding and developing, uh, an athlete's mind, uh, you know, along with what he does physically and, and the grind and the, how difficult and how much failure you're going to deal with in all sports, you know, growing up in a developmental stage. So that's kind of where that went. I got, got after my plan, I, I got back in and spent 20, 26 years uh, in player development. I managed eight years. I did rookie ball, A ball, double A, three years in triple A, became the minor league coordinator twice, Texas for four years, the Dodgers for two, had five years as a major league coach. But when I started the hitting side, which I'm at now, uh, kind of started in that transition, I started studying because uh, we didn't have the, the we didn't have all the analytics when it came to positioning like you know the defense like so big now so I was kind of having to do it myself well to go in and play Minnesota Twins and okay I'm like okay Morneau Maurer like how do we beat how do we control these guys to win so this was start I started looking at I started looking at all these great hitters and I started looking at the commonalities of what what are they doing like how do they what are they doing late in the count what are they doing when they're up in, what are they doing when they're feeling good what do they do day after night. You know, when the, when the energy levels are different and the competitive side and the backgrounds aren't, you know, it's, there's just so many factors. And that kind of led me into 
Um, you know, I love teaching, uh, you know, base running and defense and all, but I thought, okay, the, 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 the make or break from a career standpoint is, is offense, right? I mean, you can pick it all you want and, you know, you can have all this speed and all this, but if you can't hit, if you don't hit, it, you don't play. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, I developed uh, Sean Figgins at the time, five, eight, 175 pounds. I said, Sean, if you don't drive the ball, you're not going to play in the big leagues. I said, so, you know, I, we end up, you know, starting to make that emphasis, even for, you know, role players and guys that, you know, like aren't, you know, six, five and, you know, you go, okay, this guy's going to hit 30 homers. No, you got to, you got to be an offensive player and you got to learn to get the, the most out of it. And that's kind of where it all led. And then Logan, you kind of have, I mean, you've gotten into coaching pretty early too, obviously working with uh, your dad and then y'all spent time in Taiwan, I know. And then uh, you're up in Seattle for a little bit, kind of doing your own gig. So just kind of walk us through your story a little bit, and then we, we'll get into a little bit more of just kind of some development things and where we're kind of missing the mark uh, in the world this day. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm pretty, I tell people I grew up in, a, in the clubhouse, and my best friends were anywhere from 25 to 35 years old, you know. So, and being homeschooled growing up after about second grade, just because the traveling we were doing, he was coaching and roving in the minor leagues uh, a lot of my childhood. You know, I got to experience the pro side of it, you know, being a third generation uh ball player i didn't i didn't make it to the big leagues which was my dream but i was able to kind of experience it through you know through my dad's career and you know it just kind of grew my passion i i finished my career out in 2016 and played college you know some some indie ball got out of my system and then went to taiwan with him the first time as you just mentioned and i did a couple years of college and went back to taiwan for three years so i kind of talk about my you know, my experience, childhood and, and all the knowledge my, my father's imparted me and all the great baseball people I was around and to watch players do what they do, but kind of behind the scenes, which I think a lot of kids don't see, you know, the work that it takes to get the major leagues and, and, and the struggle part of it, uh, <clears throat> seeing that firsthand as an eye opener. And, you know, I also just enjoyed just the, the fun of, you know, watching guys do that for a living. But I kind of say my, my college experience was kind of where I learned to work hard uh, it was a small college. I did a lot of the stuff. You know, where, where was it? It was a Mid America Christian, and I, you know, they they were kind of bottom of the barrel, and we got to be uh, number eleventh in the nation offensively. They went from like a hundred and twentieth to eleventh um, with a lot of the things that we did, and, and getting guys to buy into the program as a whole. I learned to work hard there, and I learned to work smart in Taiwan. You know, I won't go into all of it, but you know, with the language barrier and coming from you know the Western world, which they they do like you know with social media and all that they're pretty connected uh you know J japan is is probably uh their biggest influence but i kind of learned to work smart there so i kind of able to hone my the efficiency of how i coach and and just the passion with you know that i use in my coaching as ours as far as also understanding a lot of different players from a lot of different backgrounds and how to train them and get them to perform in a way that you know, they can trust their game at the same time. They're open to, you know, learning new things and developing, expanding their game. Yeah. No, I think I always thought it's so fascinating, just even just cultural differences, right, and how we go about our work and our prep. Um, I've said play with Seiya Suzuki in Chicago and just seeing how diligent, efficient, detailed he is in everything that he does, whether it's in the weight room, uh, in the training room, in the cage. It's like, I don't even know if I can do it. It's so like right. meticulous, but it's so impressive. And I tell him all the time just how amazed I am by him and the the gifts that he possesses. It's, 
I almost get I, I, I try and impart more of like my mental strengths into him uh, while I learn from him physically because he's just so gifted. Um, the things that he can do, I just tell him all the time, like you're you're our best player. Like you have more gifts than anybody else on this team. And like you need to believe that because that is a little bit of a, a challenge coming to the major leagues from, you know, other places and other leagues across the world is just Yes, this may be the best league in the world, but you are also the best at what you did over there. You yeah. can do the same thing here. Right. So, um, well, yeah, there's a reason I think that obviously they signed him. So, right, it's easy for me to say as I don't play in the MLB. But um, I want to touch a little bit on first off, thank you guys for coming. But just the grind that you sort of talked about. So we had before we started this podcast, we're talking about just like the high school level situation and how sometimes the expectation of either the high school athlete or the parent doesn't meet the reality of the situation. And so I want to kind of touch on a little bit, which you've been to a bunch of places too, obviously, but your grind in your NAIA school and just how I think kids have this sort of expectation and thought that you know, if when they get there, it's going to be like it is in high school or it's not going to be as, you know, hard or you're not, you're going to have better facilities, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a lot of people that play baseball. There's a lot of people that are really good at baseball. Like, how do you think that your grind at your NAIA school kind of developed your hard work and then showed you the levels that baseball was at? Yeah. As far as in relation to the players, you know, at those kind of schools, you have some kids that feel like they should be at a higher level and you have some kids that are kind of happy to be there that that are just you know pretty excited they've kind of earned a way into college and we also uh, something I didn't mention is we had probably out of our out of our you know 35 player uh full roster we had 16 of those guys were were Latinos from their 12 countries or something yeah like that? Uh, we had we had quite a few we had seven or eight Dominicans we had uh a guy from Colombia our center fielders from Colombia uh, we had a couple guys from Venezuela and a couple guys from Puerto Rico and, and a handful of other places. We had a guy, a pitcher uh, from El Salvador. We had a pitcher from uh, not Peru, but a couple other countries. But so you you get that mix, right? My Spanish got a little better, but <clears throat> I thought that was real interesting culture wise watching the work ethic when yeah. people who have grown up outside of our country. Like how hard do they think it is? And they play more. Everything they do is about enjoyment. And all of a sudden you get in a grind where you got weight room, you know, you got, you know, you got certain things. Yeah. You got certain responsibilities that they, you know, they have to incorporate. So that's what I like about, I couldn't do, I don't think I could do what I do without Logan's background of being, you know, having a, a high school level of teaching, having a, you know, working with NAI and working with professionals. You know, the one thing about being in Taiwan, you don't produce, like they send you home. <laughs> you know, there's not like where you get a, you get to stay around and, oh, we're just developing. No, it's production or get out. So when you start having to deal with that kind of level of success, but uh, I think that's where his background, you know, has been so good. And then being in, you know, working in a high school program in Seattle, which is a whole different part of the country, right? And they're not playing like we play in Texas in the South, mm -hmm. right? Our sports are, mm -hmm. their sports are, that's, that are like extracurriculum, mm -hmm. but yet he's in a competitive situation. They had a they had a kid that went in the first round, you know, off that same team. And so this wasn't just some lay down team, but it's a whole different culture because it's in the Northwest and it's not live and die sports. It's like, what's your academics look like? Oh, you're going to go out for sport. Oh, I think that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's his background really helps well round kind of what, what my experience has been. It's been mm -hmm. great. And, and I want to touch again to a little bit further too, just about actual development side. And obviously you've been in the game for so long and you've seen players grow and how players get to the, top right 
and how the game has changed, obviously, because, you know, better athletes and, and just the physical production is, is different than it's ever been. Yeah. But what, like, what development mark do you think is probably the most important, but also, like, what, where are we missing the mark in terms of development in kids, not only in high school, but as they get into pro ball and they're trying to obviously make it to the top? It's funny what, you know, the things that I, I look at and dealing with, I'm like, and it's not to criticize. I, you know, I saw, I was over at my dad's house. My dad played from, signed in 1957 and played till 71, right? So he has this, my dad was a love of baseball. And I was reading this book over there at his house. It was about baseball. And the, it, was, it, was, it was an interview basically of one of the top players at that time. So he was saying, he said, you know, when I came into the league, you know, the work ethic, how we thought about the game, the, the fundamentals that we understood about how to play. He goes, these kids that are coming to the big leagues today don't have that baseline. They don't have the fundamentals down. They don't understand the importance of work. The quote was 1897. <laughs> so how long has big leaguers <laughs> yeah. been griping about the young players coming up? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's a little bit. So this has been going on in our game for a long time where – we're a little bit like the next generation is not as good. What I see that might the biggest issue. Number one, they want instant gratification because they have it at their they have it at their fingertips, twenty four seven. So my my thought is, you know, I said, hey, this is not Wendy's drive through. You don't pull up and order what you want, pull around the corner and pick it up. There's some work to get done to get translated even the truth that you're feeling to be able to put it into a game set setting and all that stuff. So. Um, I think their dedication to understanding who they want to be told, you know, what are we doing today in the workout? Like, well, okay, what, what, what do you think we should do? Mm -hmm. You know, what's, what's your input on your own development? And, uh, and I think that's the, what I see. I've dealt with players when, you know, they're like, hey, I love what we're doing in the cage. Let's do that again tomorrow. And I'm like, all right, what is it? Like, well, don't you know? Well, yeah, I know. I need do you to you know. know. I need you to know. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I think that's, that's part of it. And then from the other side, you know, like, Working privately with uh, with young with really good young players um, is again I, I think it goes back to they get in a hurry about their own success and not let it play out a little bit and uh, and I get it our window we all know our window is it's small. short it's small right but it doesn't seem at the time and uh, so I think that's what we deal with it's just that. Uh, that attitude of and sometimes it comes from the parents you yeah. know where they they want things for their kids and they you know they also invest in you know opportunities like taking lessons with us and so i think you know there's some kids that do have a good mindset or or, or kind of trying to find their way in terms of, okay what does that look like as far as timetable and understanding there's a little bit of patience involved but yeah. using good examples like dansby as much success as he's had coming as such a high profile player into the major leagues and obviously we just you know, kind of connect with him several years back, um, my father and then me uh, coming in on it. But using him, him and his example, Riley, you know, being able to kind of talk about the stages of the, their development mm -hmm. uh, with the skills that they have mm -hmm. can give some perspective to these guys because right. they do respect guys mm -hmm. like the way that they play, you know, the, the performance aspect, all those things. So it's a good testament to them as well as far as, and this, just like he's talking about, it's not instant. Uh, there's some work involved, but there is also light at the end of the tunnel in terms of seeing progress every day and, and kind of getting them to look at, okay, the right things, getting them to look at some of the details where you can see, you can see some progress or some things in the details, but the overall picture, you know, it's still got some time left. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's such a hard thing for coaches in this day and age is you never stop learning, right? Like as a player, you know, I'm going into my eighth year and 
you there's an endless level of knowledge right and so many times we're so stuck in just doing it one type of way that one way for me may work but as i go into this next year you know like we were just talking about being an honest self-evaluator i feel like is one of my better strengths because i can you know we this is our third day hitting and coming in first day and having an honest conversation about this is what i know i need to do to get better right. now i lean into you for how to get me to that point right. but i know what it is that i need to work on to get there you know and yeah. and you just kind of guide the path on how to get to that point um but i think it's just so interesting seeing young kids they don't understand like my full story and like how i got to where i got sure. to and it was a lot of work and even my first three years in the big leagues were very underwhelming right I had all the pressure of being the number one pick and you know i have the big trade and I right. come back and I'm at home and you know my first 30 games in the big leagues I set the world on fire and then I was horrible my first full year and then I was a little bit better my second year but was hurt and then same my third year I started to piece it together but still had some injury issues and I didn't really you know prove myself until about four years into the big leagues and you know I, I even have to remind myself to be patient with young prospects coming up and the first thing I tell them is listen I have patience, okay? I've learned patience. I have patience for physical things, for development and understanding, you know, how the game works at this level. But I do not have any patience for uh, lack of mental toughness, right. for being a bad teammate, for not even knowing the basics of the game. I don't have time for that, right? right? Like, and mm -hmm. if that's how you want to operate, then you can go somewhere else. I mean, it's just as candid as that because we're trying to win. And if you're not going to help us win, then you don't need to be here. Yeah. And at least if some of the physical mistakes show up, the mental mistakes, the emotional mistakes, those have to be, you know, kind of cut out. And that's something that it's just not taught the same way or it's not learned the same. There's not as much emphasis on it as when I was growing up in high school, college, and then obviously in pro ball. I, I complained all the time about pro ball when I was in the minor leagues. I hated it, right? Like I hated it. And I wasn't even in the minor leagues long, like right. a year. Right. But it was a grind every day, yeah. right? Like you earned what you got every single day. The food was bad. Yeah. Like I'm in Mississippi, 110 degree yeah. heat, taking mass ground balls, doing fundamentals every day. But I look back at it and say, thank God I did that because right. I appreciate what I have now so much more because I went through the grind and struggle of it all, yeah. you know? How much of what you guys do is, because it seems like I've been around uh, good coaches and a couple elite level coaches such as yourself and how much of when you have this younger prospect who's coming up is you explaining to them the importance of the detail? Because like for you, you get it. Like you understand, like you're talking about, like what are we doing today in the cage? You get, like you have an idea of, now granted that comes with time of, hey, I'm doing this because I want this result. And then he's going to help mm -hmm. you get to that result that you guys have come to a conclusion mm -hmm. on. But I think with a lot of young kids, it's like, like you said, like, well, I want to do the same thing. Well, why? I don't know, either it felt good or kids or like I watch coaches sometimes who they take, you know, BP or do cage work and they're just, they're just hammering balls, like just hitting balls. And if you watch you guys, like it's in spurts of five or 10 and mm -hmm. then you discuss right. and you're searching for that feeling. And that's why I'm so excited when that video is coming out. Like I was telling him, it's going to be so good because the proof is in the details and mm -hmm. he's at the highest level. You guys are at the highest level and you're still talking about the little, little details. And I think, Oftentimes when kids are in high school and they're having to do the fundamental work that they hate, they they lose sight so of. Boring. So boring. Yeah, I hate this. Sure. I hate this. It's like like again, like I was talking how people were, you know, hammering me about Mac about what he's gonna do and 
I made a joke to somebody and I was like, well, I guarantee you the first thing I'm not giving them is a glove. Like I'm going to give them a pad. And they're like, well, why? And I'm like, cause you're teaching. And then that, see like the little details like that, like that stuff matters in their like a player's development. But how much time do you guys spend teaching them the importance of that detail? Or do you, are you guys basically at the level where like you're only taking on clients or helping people who understand the importance of that? Um, I mean, I definitely go into, some of those first sessions. Now, fortunately for me right now, I haven't had, it's been a long time since I had a player come in, you know, under, under the father's idea, you know, and I, and I work with them for the first time and I go, man, I don't think, I don't think I'm the right guy. You know, it, unfortunately that hasn't happened to me in a long time. I think it's only been twice in my coaching career where I just said, I don't, I can't help him. Either he knows more than me already and he's 17, you know, yeah. or, you know, he's or, a genius. He's, or he's gone to, he's, I hate to say it, but he's gone to IMG. He's gone to all these different places. So he said he's been overcoached. So now I try to bring some truth into it. And then they are like, well, and then they try to fit their idea mm-hmm. into my, my thought, you know, like, mm-hmm. so I said, you can't force it. Like, or, and you're, you can't drive, you know, a, a, a you know, round peg in square hole. It's like, but what I see is, uh, you know, with the, with the young players, today i mean it's when they have failure because that's what we learn the most from probably and there's some kids who are so good at athlete they've never struggled like they went out for little league ball in first grade and they're their star mm-hmm. and they've been the star all the way through mm-hmm. now they get to the high school level and some of the mechanics and, and and ideas of how they perform is not as good so now they start to get exposed but mm-hmm. you know so I, sometimes you need the exposure that's the thing with us when we look at the film and we evaluate the move it's hard to expose him in the in a controlled environment now but we, but so we have to look at the background and go yeah i'm getting away with it. he's good at saying i get away with it now but that wouldn't happen if that ball's mm-hmm. nice I, I said that literally first day i said yeah. we were breaking it down saying oh this the moves look pretty clean and i just kind of said like you know to my wife when i got home was it was a great first day right we accomplished a lot but i know that right now what i built today was a cage swing and I'm trying to build a, yeah. like you said, a Hall of Fame yeah. swing, right? right. And mm-hmm. and so we made the you know proper adjustments right. and understand that the proof is in the details, right? The proof's in the pudding, and yeah. being able to focus on those little things, and that's why we do the video work. And yeah. not that video works for everybody, especially younger kids, because right. you know that's it can get a little over analytical at times. But that we need that tool so that we can you know, make the necessary changes or I'll be like, Hey, that was a great round because I hit eight straight line drives. Well, I, I should be able to right? like, I'm in, I'm in the big leagues and you're flipping a ball 10 miles an hour. I should be able to manipulate it. However, but that's not going to play for a 162, a playoffs. You're right. facing a, you know, the DeGroms well, and Scherzer's and of I the world. I think world. it's important too. Like, again, when they go and watch that <laughs> video and I'll, I'll probably put it in there, but there was times in which you caught yourself. So you would say like, you would take a pitch and you'd be like, oh, well, like, hey, that was a better take than what I usually do. My weight was here or my hands were here or I saw it differently. And the importance of that is, is not that you're being like, oh, pat myself on the back. It's that there's been times and like you've self-evaluated where you haven't taken pitches how you were supposed to or you haven't stayed on balls like you were supposed to. And it's you accepting that failure. And I think another part of kids is, you know, let's say they're getting exposed and they're like, oh, I don't want to be exposed. I don't It's like, well, if you want to get better, you kind of need to be because, and it's not you saying, well, I'm only doing that because he's throwing this. Like, no, it's like you said, you're missing, uh, like, what was it? Sliders or curves, you going under mm-hmm. curves or whatever, under mm-hmm. sliders. And you're like, 
well, why am I going that? And you going back to the dugout and being like, well, it didn't break. Yeah. It's like, well, did it really not break? Or mm -hmm. is there some little fundamental detail of why you're not staying on it the way you should? Right. And that's the importance of taking self-ownership over everything. Correct. And when you, when you get to the point, and this is another thing that trying to impart on younger kids is if you just always take ownership over everything, no matter if it's easy to blame or say, yeah, it, it didn't break as much as it's supposed to. It's really just kind of an excuse for why I didn't hit that pitch, you know, and being able to take ownership over, uh, you know, whether it's my swing or my approach, my plan, um, anything that's happened. You know, a good coach always said to me, there's no such thing as a bad fungo, right? You hear so many times like, yeah. hit a right. well, hit, you, yeah, dude, yeah. hit a bad, it's like, no, <laughs> right. catch the ball, right? right? Like yeah. there's, there's, right. and um, yeah, no, I think the fundamentals part, and that's what we've talked about this, that's what makes Wash such a good coach, right? We do the same thing every day. Yeah. It's boring. Yeah. We make it fun because we'd like to talk a lot of trash to right. each other. Mm -hmm. You know, I've brought that same kind of concept to Chicago. But and he would always say, like, if you want to be a good fielder, you do the fundamental things right. Yeah. And that enables you to make the better plays. Great plays right. Right. So no, it's um it's been interesting. And then the other thing I really would love to touch on is uh just how your dad was kind of involved in FCA and how he kind of got that whole thing going and Obviously, we're a faith-based podcast. We love talking about God mm -hmm. and Jesus. And, you know, even we, as silly as it may seem, some of the divine intervention we've had in the cage and yeah. conversations that we've no, had yeah. and, you know, how he's put y'all in my life and uh, hopefully vice versa, um, you know, and just some of those conversations we've had and how important that's been, um, you know, in our growth together, not only as, you know, working together, but as friendship yeah. and all that kind of stuff. To me about Mike Harris, you know, he was in Rome, his chase rate, and, and they said, hey, when are you going to fix this? I go, well, number one, he's 19. I said, number two, I go, do you want me to get him careful? Right. Yeah. Where he doesn't where he doesn't know what he wants to swing at? I said, I don't think that's the answer. Because what they were just talking about was just parents and how they, like, guardrail everything and won't let their kids fail. But in reality, that's what's needed is that failure. You can't just protect them every yeah. step of the way. My dad was – and I think that's one thing. I, you know, looking back on – with my and my father was a, a professional baseball player for 13 years, got out of baseball, and went into ministry. So my dad was a full-time evangelist and a pastor. So you take – and he was a catcher. So take that catcher's personality – and throw it on the spiritual side of it. And, and I was fortunate. I remember we went to, my dad was speaking at, uh, up in Colorado on a summer retreat. Well, the summer retreat for coaches, FCA, why? Um, the, the summer coaches, they're all coaching. Baseball's all coaching. So I had breakfast. At, this is when I was a kid. I had breakfast with John Wooden four consecutive days where he sat right on the other side of the table from me. You know, my dad was here. Johnny Majors was here. Grant Taft was here. You know, Tom Osborne, there was all these great coaches that were at this conference and, uh, you know, and just being around and listening to the stories and, and, uh, you know, and of course, you know, that, I mean, Wooden was incredible to listen to. And then when I was with the Dodgers right before, maybe a year or two before he died, we had a thing where we went out to see him and he named, he named the start, he's, he was in his nineties. He named the starting lineup of his baseball team his senior year. Oh, wow. That's, That's incredible. incredible. Yeah, he was like 96, and he wasn't talking about you know the, the you know the it, championships at UCLA. I mean, he could go all the way back to his yeah. background. So, and so my dad was good about that type of work ethic and taking responsibility. And I think that was that probably gave me the eye opener. I think I was a junior. 
I was, I was a junior in, in, in high school that summer. And my dad, I get in the car after a game and my dad goes, uh, he goes, Mike, I think I got it figured out. I said, okay. So I'm sitting there, you know, and of course I was at the age now that I was sitting in the front seat and my mother was sitting in the back seat. <laughs> you remember, remember that transition? Yeah. That used to be a transition. Tough transition. I don't think they do that now. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I'm sitting there and, and my dad says, uh, he goes, Mike, I got it figured out. I said, what's that? He goes, get home tonight. He goes, get that uniform off and, and give it to your mother. Let her wash it, dry it, fold it. And he goes, and I'll, and, and I'll run you over to the coach's house and you can turn the uniform in. <laughs> Yeah. He goes. He goes. The way you play the game and the respect for the way you're playing. He goes. You don't. You don't deserve to play. He said. You need to get out. This is when I was a junior, and I was like, in high school. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Now I'm like, man. I need to make adjustment in my game. I guess. You know. And so then, and that changed. I was fortunate. I was. I was around some really great football coaches, who really taught me how to work and understood the weight room. That this is what that. That's what I loved about that sport. Mm. And then and then all of a sudden the light came on my senior year. And, uh, you know, I, I I was just another – in fact, I talk about the state championship team. I played the Mickey Tuttleton at Southeast Oklahoma City. State championship game my sophomore year, I hit ninth. You know, so I wasn't – I was like the eighth best hitter on our team, you know, as a, as a sophomore. And yeah. to go on and, you know, so, yeah. But my dad was good at accepting responsibility and putting the work in, you know, and being, and being tough about it a little bit. Yeah, I definitely think it's it's a important thing too. Like that's a tough lesson, I guess. Um, I had it's funny you say that. I had a coach. His son is probably I don't know nine, but he played at um, he's dual sport athlete at Mississippi State, like incredible athlete. And uh, he was talking about he's watching his son, who's a baseball junkie. Like it's actually funny. He's like one of these days I'm gonna bring you to his house. He's like the biggest Dansby fan. All he does is watch your stuff on YouTube, and he just like recreates your swings. And he sends me videos, but he tapping the toes as he walks. <laughs> oh, yeah. he's, he's, he's doing the. He's doing and you know, whole, I, mean, like, I don't know if I'm fully. I mean, I was a huge Nomar fan, so I mean that usually makes <laughs> a lot of sense. I, I know with the batting obsession. gloves and all that. Yeah. So, but he was saying his son was playing whatever little league and they're rotating them around just fall league to keep him fresh and uh he could tell his son was like messing around like a ball like a ground ball went to him and he's the best player on the field and he kind of was like let it go by him and was laughing and smiling and his dad was like you know he, he looked over at his wife and his, his he said it was funny because my wife said are you gonna say something to him or do i need to mm. it's because he was like he's i can't sit here and, and watch this right. like so he had to have a conversation it was like yes we're having fun but it's also like you're competing. And I think Correct. that's that's an interesting point. I think kids, like when we talk about transfers and we were talking about this earlier and like other stuff is, I really do think there's a competition problem. Like I think that a lot of younger athletes don't really want to compete or they say, oh yeah, I'll compete. But you, you only want to compete to a certain point. Mm -hmm. Like you don't really want to go through the grind and compete and put yourself out there so i think that's it's hard because it's I hard see that in that showcase life too yeah it's like you just be good don't worry about the team don't worry about the game don't and worry I, about how it's played and i feel like you know so, some of it is the fear of if i put everything i have into it and still fail you know you play with mm -hmm. a lot of guys that have a lot of talent they don't quite push it to that you know full go level because so they can always kind of say ah you know i wasn't exactly going 100 yeah, self-preservation yeah yeah, yeah, yeah a there's always bit, yeah. that backdoor excuse for them Exactly. Yeah. That's like um, I was listening to something the other day and they were talking about uh, it's like two guys playing basketball or whatever. And one of them played in college and they're talking about a story from where they were kids and they got into like a little scuffle with the neighborhood kids. And one of the kids said, you know, I just come out here to play basketball for fun. He goes, you actually come out here to play basketball and you try like you think you're a basketball player and you're not any good. 
And he said, he was talking about how that impacted his whole life because since that point he hadn't like fully gone. I, I, I used to tell like my tight ends for uh, football, like you're not sprinting. Like the point, the point of running sprints is not a punishment. Like we're doing it to get in shape so that when we're late in the game, it's mm-hmm. not, I don't have to sub you. We're good. Mm-hmm. And they would always say, no, you're punishing us. I'm like, I, the second you all sprint and run, we won't, we'll stop. Like, uh, I don't know who said it, but it's like the old phrase, uh, do it right, do it light, do it wrong, do it long. <laughs> yeah. right. It's yeah. like, just yeah. get if you just get to, but they won't push themselves to that level. So then we put them on a clock or whatever. And even then, like, they're not really mm-hmm. pushing themselves to that standard. It's kind of like when you come to like mm-hmm. weightlifting, like people say, well, if you can hit eight reps, you're not really, your intensity is not high enough. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. well, you know, so that's kind of, it, it's an interesting mindset of like, are you really going to put yourself out there and mm. say, like, I gave it my, that's what I love, like, when, you know, um, my Cam Newton's a hot topic right now, but his Super Bowl interview after they lost and he didn't handle it well or whatever and was frustrated and people were like, I don't understand. I'm like, he gave it everything. He put everything out there that he had and still came up short. That is a tough yeah. So the thing, and then to go and give a about like try and go give a professional response to someone nitpicking one decision yes. that you may or may not have made. Correct. And no, that's I mean, and that's why I mean at the end of every year, man. Like, uh, obviously, there's been twice in my career, once in college and once in the big leagues, where you don't end on the I gave it everything I got and it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. You know, I won the World Series in 2014 in college, and then mm-hmm. in 21 here in Atlanta. And I mean. It was just like every other year when the year ends, you know, when whether it's the last game of the season or, you know, this past year it was our first game in Milwaukee at the end of the season when we were truly eliminated, right? And it's all it's emotional, man. Like every every time I always go through it, I cry, I struggle to get through interviews because when you truly empty the tank and give everything you have and it doesn't work, that hurts. That hurts. But yet you can use that as the well, you want to call it the motivator or whatever to say like, but this is also why I do it because yeah. it means this much to me that if I fail at this, it's it crushes me, right? And so kids, I'm not saying all kids are like this, but kids just don't like going through that pain. And, you know, yeah, like, I kind of do. That's why yeah. I still do it. You we know? have kids who they'll say, you know, well, I kind of wanted the season to be over anyways. Like, that used to like get then, me oh, so yeah. fired up. Yeah. Then I don't I'm like, want what you do you here. mean? Because I would give anything right now. Like forget any other level of sport. Like I'd give anything right now to go back and play one more high school game. Right. You know Same. what I mean? High school basketball for me, I miss yeah. it like every day. Yeah. And if you ask like like professional athletes, like uh, I talked to like Kenyon all the time, say if you could go play one like game one more time, like what what game would you play? And he doesn't say his famous kick six game versus Clemson. He doesn't say his Miami miracle. He'll say, I wish I could go play West Forsyth when we lost in high school. <laughs> like, mm. like what? Mm-hmm. Like that's he's like, like, why does that stick? He's like, because we gave everything. And I remember before that game, we had a couple of juniors who were just like, Yeah, I mean, it's cold, it's whatever. And I looked at Ken and said, We're gonna lose. And we did. Because you can't have that mentality. So like when kids are oh, I wish it'd be over, or oh yeah, baseball season's over this year, we're on to basketball. It's like, what? Like you should be devastated that it's mm-hmm. over, and that's also the hard part. Is you know, like I just covered the state championships this week, but you see some of the kids, like they're uh, Walton played, who's Walton's like a premier high school here, and they were undefeated, and they were number whatever seven in the nation, and they lost. They got beat. Yeah, I saw that. They got beat, and their quarterback was like distraught. He had yeah. thrown like forty-eight touchdowns and three interceptions on the year, and he wow. threw four that game. Four picks that mm-hmm. game. 
and he's like, he just, everything he had was gone and people were trying to console him and this and that. And he's just like lost it. And people were like, other people were like, yeah, I don't think it's that big a deal. I'm like, that's the problem. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. the biggest mm -hmm. game of the year. It's like any game. I get upset losing in a game of dominoes. Like, I don't oh, care. I <laughs> yeah, so, me and Mal get into it on Uno. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I know. Competitive games. No, but I mean, that's, I mean, it's just, it's such an interesting thing just seeing the cyclical nature of sports and just where kids are and, you know, the end of the day like we gotta we gotta take these guardrails off these kids man if, yeah. if they're gonna have a chance for sure so. i think that's that's a huge part and i think my that what really helped me to being undersized and all that stuff was my spiritual side of my father preaching to me about i can do all things through christ who strengthened me you know like, like those mindsets and i said this i managed my first five years of managing um, and I enjoyed managing. I felt like I did a good job developing. I felt I, 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 I woke up every morning going to the ballpark saying, I want to be the coach that I wish I could have played for every day. Mm. Who is that? Get me better, but hold me responsible. Take, have me take responsibility of, my, of our actions. Wins and losses happen on the field, not out of that dugout. Right. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I, I was convinced of that. But, but the two things, you, so, you know, you're managing the minor league 140 games. The two books that impacted me the most was Coach Wooden's book, They Call Me Coach, and, and the book of Proverbs. Hmm. And it was amazing. Like, I was doing the, the day of Proverbs, mm -hmm. you know, it's 30, 31 Proverbs. And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, that. So I'd be like, oh, it's, it's May 5th. You know, so I'm going to, you know, yeah. the 5th. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that, that's exactly where my team is right now. Yeah. You know, so there was things that I, that I needed to, to understand about the spiritual side of my group. You know, and that's part, of, I think that's tied into the work ethic. And I think it's tied into the failure. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I mean, we can always, uh, they say homeschool, right? They're like, always have your kid. This is what they tell you as a homeschool parent. Always have your kids read autobiographies and biographies of people. And he goes, that's your main, if you're going to have them read anything, read that. Because these experiences are going to show that, man, Abraham Lincoln lost his first seven races, political races that he ran for, mm -hmm. and end up being, you know, one of the top two or three impact presidents in the we've ever had yeah and it's like he was a super failure mm -hmm. a big part of his life and then made this huge impact at this one time so that's where they tell home so that's where we would so like I mean, the kids, the kids, kids, right you had to carry a book around right and you've read a history major sort he's of read so many and all and so. all of my kids have read so many autobiographies and biography because i'm i wanted them to see there's struggle out there. Yeah, it's not just go. And this is where this is where the no, this is where not. the online and every and everybody putting their I'm right. If TikToks. I if I post a selfie, I can hit a couple of things to change the change to take a couple of wrinkles out mm -hmm. and smooth my skin out because I want to perceive it. No, this is not who I really am. Right. This is who I'm just hoping mm -hmm. to trick. Yeah. We always say like social media is your high point. Like no one posts. It's, a it's your highlight reel. Yeah. Nobody sure. posts. A, like I don't post a picture of me at 4:30 in the morning talking to myself in the mirror. Like you have to yeah. go. You got to get up. You <laughs> got to get up. You got to get up. It's not an automatic start anymore. I have to go start my car. Yeah. Like, right. You got to go. There when the baby just throws up over your shoulder. <laughs> Literally. You know? Yeah. Well. Yeah. We've had. <laughs> yeah. We've had a couple situations yeah. the last couple. Yeah. Of um. I think that's huge. I mean, yeah. like go back. Von Grissom asked me. He goes, Brom, when am I going to hit for power? And I was like. 2023, mm, 24. He's like, no. Like, nobody wants to look at where Long I'm going. Range. Yeah. 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 Oh, I know. Um, well, I guess last thing to just wrap things up. Um, if you just had one piece of advice, basically, for, I wouldn't even say for players, but more for coaches and parents in this day and age, what would it be? I think it relates to a lot of things we've been talking about, but just having goals 
and understanding, you know, how that relates to your kid, to your, to your, uh, you know, player that you're, you're in charge of as a coach and being involved. And I kind of tell this is, this is through the tutelage of my dad. My experience is like, I want to partner with you in terms of achieving those goals, you know, where it's not just about my knowledge and trying to get you to understand something, or it's about, you know, where I think you should be versus right. We all kind of have that friction. Uh, I think, you know, I, I don't have kids, but, but I do see the dynamic, you know, and I think that having goals and, you know, thinking in terms of the process and kind of the path of how to achieve those. And also, you know, the patience and sort of that, I think the other side of what we talked about a little bit, there's kids that are playing, you know, 11 months out of the year since they're 10 years old, you know, they're very committed and don't have these work ethic issues, but they still have their problems in itself. We, you know, that might be a topic for another day, but I think having goals and, and having specific goals, uh, that, that, Maybe you see a Dansby Swanson emulating as far as, you know, how, how Dansby's, you know, backhand works or, or how his swing works under pressure situations and some of those things, his plate discipline, whatever you want to talk about. But I think having goals that are based on that and parents understanding that and, and really investing in that side of it and, and seeing where that fits into the big picture or the next stage of, you mm-hmm. know, your kids or students' career. Mm-hmm. I guess and my last question for you, Brom, would be what – like common denominator in terms of character trait have you seen with some of the best guys you've worked with? Cause you've obviously worked with Austin Riley a ton. Uh, you worked with Mike Harris when he was coming up. Uh, you work with Doovy, um, started doing some things with some other guys. We don't have to get in everybody's yeah, name just cause right. don't want to put them out there. But what have you seen as like been the biggest, you know, character trait in, in the guys you've worked with that have been successful at a very high level? I mean, still self-reliant and drive, I think, but, but more so is, and this is, goes with the coaching side of it, is is staying curious in your coaching. Like, how do I – I want to be curious about a better way to understand it. So when I have a player come in, I mean, that's where we're, we're grinding on it, you know, because we're like, all right, let's get him – you know, we, we see where his mindset is, we see where ours is. And um, and I think the curiosity, the work ethic, obviously, but but just the commitment of being – of being good, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and, and taking that responsibility on a, you know, whether it's the weight room and, you know, that's, that's where I look at, I played 14 years. I knew it was time to retire when I didn't enjoy going to the weight room mm-hmm. and I didn't enjoy the prep. Right. When I started looking at it and I said, when I started getting that and I, I couldn't wait, I couldn't wait to go to the gym. I couldn't, we talk about, I hit every year, December 26th. And after that, even when we started having babies and stuff, like all the players, you know, everybody's like on the phone. We don't have cell phones, but on the phone, like, hey, man, as soon as I get the kids down, I'll meet you at the cage. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, so we're putting kids to bed at 930 or 10, and then we're off to the cage at 10, 1030 at night and just stay in there till 1230 and just enjoy every minute of it. So, you know, when you talk about the joy of the game, you love it, but mm-hmm. you love being good at it. Oh, yeah. The game's not fun to not be. And you know, so I was wondering from a, co- from a coach's standpoint, mm-hmm. right, like you're talking about those tight ends that needed to pick up the sprints. Mm. That's where it, it's it's unfortunate that you could we can't get out there and go all right I'll pace I'll pace these next two sprints I'll show you exactly what it means yeah yeah well you I was know. running with them because yeah. I'm out of shape and old <laughs> oh, okay and I, I was an offensive lineman so if I'm running if I can make the tight end time like that was my thing too but that's what you know that I think you got to enjoy the process of it and just. Like I was just telling them, like just compete, 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 and they would always say, "Well, I can't do this, or I can't." We would have this is way too detailed, but like essentially in the offense we ran, we were asking our tight end to cut off backside defensive ends and stuff like that. We just weren't, you know, 
built for that, if that makes sense. We were more like spread out wide type guys. And um, it just got to a point where our head coach is like, this is what we're going to do. This is our scheme. And I was like, guys, like sometimes in life you're presented with something where this is just how it's going to be. And so instead of us sitting here being like, "Uh, I don't want to do it, like, Let's go. Like, put yourself in a position. You to got be a choice. Successful. You got to make it happen. Yeah. So, what's up? So, as I said, we got. We were, I'll never forget. We were watching film, and this is a long time ago. And one of those guys in the league, and I'll say, you know, you, it's a put up or shut up. Like, what is it about? This isn't tennis. This is football. So mm-hmm. either you can do it or you can't. It's that simple. But yeah, it's just kind of. It's hard to I think to get kids to be like, hey we need to be here and them just being like, yeah, you know, but, and it would be different if, you know, like you guys are in a situation where if your mindset doesn't match their work ethic or whatever, like you guys know, you're not going to be a good fit. Yeah. You can be a, Hey, we're not going to be a good fit. Right. I got to see this kid for four years. <laughs> like, you know yeah, what right. I mean? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. it's just kind of, it's kind of interesting dynamic. Those are interesting kids to win over. It is. Cause then once you get them, you they, they soar. Like yeah. You they soar. I, I think the other coaching side, talking about the player relationship, is is be a good teammate to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I see guys beat themselves True. up in the cage. You know, they'll make a swing. They're like, oh, you know, they're just mad. And they're, they're, you know, and I'm like, hey, man, I was in the cage with a, a guy that made the all star team last year. He's scuffling with the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So you're not alone. Give yourself a little bit of, <clears throat> little little bit bit of grace. Leeway, yeah. But show up and be present. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's what I think. And that's what we emphasize the, in that we, we work with one high school team in Oklahoma. We've been there eight years. I've been going there eight years, and they've been in six finals, and they've won oh, wow. three. So this we've, we're almost like extended coaching staff, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's what they that's what we talk about a lot with those guys. And the freshman team coming in, he's like, hey, can you talk to my freshman man? Let them know what's up. Yeah. And I'm like, when you come in here. You know what coaches like? People that can actually understand in that drill, understand in that. Listen. Under, being present, being present, being present. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, you know, we get a little – these kids get loose a little bit because they're not held responsible for it. I, I talk about that being just from a memory standpoint. Like when I was a kid, you knew your grandmother's phone number by heart. Your oh, uncle, yeah. your friends, all your friends. maybe a You had a note card that you had to memorize. Your mom put you yeah, memor- right, yep. yeah. Now, now yeah. it's like nobody knows. I go up and like, what's your mother's work? And they'll be like – yeah. Uh, you know, I was like, you don't know, you know, yeah. but I, I think they need to be responsible for what's what they're coming in doing. Yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, life skills or people skills. Like I know from an education standpoint, like this sounds what I'm about to say is going to sound well, maybe not, but kids can't read. And I say that and you're like, oh, they can read like no, they can. Yes. If you put like, hi, my name is Mason, like they can read that, but they can't like analyze documents and passages. And I think, too, like when you think about us growing up and probably you as well, definitely being around him, but like when you were at like a tryout or a practice, like how many times did your coach say, I'm only telling you once, mm-hmm. like you better listen in because for I'm not sure. wasting my time. We don't have time for me to repeat myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like now it's kids are always like, you know, what'd you say? Or we're doing what? Or yeah. it's like, if you don't know, watch the guy in front of you. Well, if you didn't know, Lord, right? yeah, oh if you didn't know, you got a problem. It's like, you don't, you're it's talking about your patience level. Mm-hmm. And I think coaches aren't not necessarily, not everybody, obviously. And even parents, you're not holding your child accountable for those little personable, like human yeah. characteristics yeah. to be a productive member of society. Yeah, to grow. Yeah. To grow. Yeah. yeah. Like your boss, how many times is your, I got to tell kids all the time, how many times would my, you think my boss would tell me to do something before I got fired? You think right. I'm going to show up late to work every day? Like you show up late to class? Two. Or do you think, yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> Two. You're right. Like if you're, uh, same thing, like if you're an athlete, how many times are you going to show up late to the field? Yeah. How many times are you going to say, oh, I'm supposed to get seven squats. I'm going to get five because I'm just not feeling it. Yeah. Like, no, you're cutting yourself short. You cannot do that. Or if you do do that, you will not make it to whatever goal. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. 
You pay the piper at some point. Yeah, so they say foot like they say, oh, uh, every yard matters. And then you watch these big games, every single so yard true. and inch oh, matters. Same thing with baseball. Like yeah. the littlest inch of you trying to get to a backhand that you just can't quite get to mm-hmm. that just slips under your glove. Yeah, that matters. Yep, or mm-hmm. plans and approaches or whatever it may be. But mm-hmm. no, this was great. I appreciate y'all. Uh, yeah, thank you. Doing yeah, this before you get guys. on the road. This is the, la- the last time I'm gonna say. My dad taught me this when I got in player development. And he said, he said, Mike, if you go out to this apple tree, you know, our neighbor had an apple tree. He said, there's a, there's a green apple about this big. He goes, he goes, where, he goes, is that apple ready to make a pie out of or eat or even pick it to eat it? And I'd be like, no, you'd be sick in your stomach. And he, he goes, right. He said, but in its state of where it is, it's perfect. It's perfectly where it should be at this point. And that's kind of when I start looking at careers and I'm like, man, he's a he's an A ball high school, even going high school, college, A ball, double A, triple A. You're like, he's perfect where he is, but he's not ready to make this pie, you know. And so everybody wants to be a, at 14, wants to be a, the perfect apple ready to consume and be at the top level. It's just not going to happen. So there's some patience involved. Yeah, well, it takes time. That's, that's perfect ending. We appreciate you guys. Yeah, it was awesome. Man. Thank you. Appreciate Thank it. you. Yeah.